And now, on with the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Weekend Watch. Uh, we are here once again. Uh, joining me are David and Keith. We are here to tell you what to watch, what not to watch uh, on your favorite streaming services. Some stuff's good. Some stuff's bad. We're going to talk about all of it. So uh, without any further introduction, because, man, this one, we didn't derail this one too much this time. I tried to. Uh, on Just wait. <laughs> well, David... Uh, David must be out of weed because he he I haven't watched him smoke it much yet, so that helps. I thought we weren't like being explicit with that. I thought we were trying to be like tongue in cheek or something. Hey man, I, I I I said I've caught you ripping a bong. Like what are you smoking in there? Tobacco, dude. It's a water pipe. <laughs> you smoke tobacco out of water pipes. You don't smoke weed out of water out of out of water pipes, right? Rule number one for any head shop. Come on. Come on. And here we are nailing the intro right after you said. <laughs> this was past the intro. This isn't the intro anymore. Okay, we're, we're into the show now. We're in the nitty gritty. Oh, okay. So it's okay now. We can go off the rails all we want. We made it through that intro. That was stellar. That was good. You you went really quickly, really smoothly through this. You don't get any better than that. Now we're just I'm diving into the party. I'm ready for the big leagues. Anyway. <laughs> first then. Yet again. I forgot what we do on this show. So we, you guys want to uh, talk about video games? Is that what we do here? We be white and nerdy know. and we talk about, are we talking about video games right now? Are we going to do the same thing we did in the last show where we're, we're going to say the end of the show at this point. So go watch three guys or go listen to three guys one up right now before you get to the end of this show. Please go watch our other podcast. Watch it. Like if you watch the bar go across the screen, it, it makes it a little more entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, we don't we don't talk about video games on this show. That's right. We talk about video games on our other show, Three Guys One Up, on what, the Three Guys One Up podcast network. Here's what you could even do. What would be even minimally acceptable? Put it on in the background and then like go about doing other stuff. Isn't that, isn't that what all people do when they listen to any podcast? I sometimes is there, is there somebody out there like sitting in a dark room doing nothing else but listening to our podcast? <laughs> I don't want that person. That person should not listen to any of our shows because uh, I don't want outside. any attention from them because they'll murder us at some point. Go outside. Don't listen to the podcast until you're outside doing something else. Gardening like, podcast. Sitting in their basement like Steve Buscemi from, um, what's that? <laughs> Which one was it? Billy Madison. Was it Billy Madison? I couldn't think and of it. And I'm glad I called that guy. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Let's talk about some movies. I mean, we almost did there. about movies. That's what we do. We talk about movies here on this show. Movies and TV shows available on every one of your favorite streaming networks. Number one, David, lead us off. My first recommendation this week, uh, it's actually got some pretty terrible ratings, but I probably enjoyed it too much. Killing Gunther on Netflix. Um, This is going to... It got a 48% critic uh, review, 28% audience score. Um, it is a comedy set in the world of contract killers. A group of young, raw, and undisciplined assassins hire a documentary crew at gunpoint to have undeniable proof that they're the ones who kill the world's most famous hitman, Gunther. But Gunther is onto them before they know it, and he makes it his personal mission to make their lives a living hell. 
It becomes a race against time, kill or be killed, as the hunters quickly become the prey. This movie is stupid and fun, and I really had a blast watching it. Um, <clears throat> it's a... Uh, it, it's basically these this group of uh, contract killers of varying uh, competency who uh, are are brought together by this uh, by Taron Killam's uh, character Blake uh, because he wants to kill Gunther and prove he's the greatest uh, hitman in the world. Um, but really, it's just a, a big show so that he can like get back with his ex girlfriend. It's it's stupid. It's a whole stupid premise, but it is a lot of fun, and uh, I laughed uh, probably too much. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I I enjoyed it. It was yeah, it's just a dumb movie to have a little fun with. Yeah, if that's what you're looking. You know, if you're not, you know, as long as you're not looking for the next Oscar movie, you know, you just want to sit down, have some fun, watch a dumb comedy action movie. Yeah, this is the one. It's Arnold doing Arnold things. It's a couple couple of the crew from saturday night live doing their thing i I thought it was fantastic yeah that's what i was gonna say uh taron killam the i first discovered him on on saturday night live and he was just so much fun i i really enjoyed him on that show yeah i kind of agreed with the the audience reviews of this one i i fucking hated it i was not (laughs) It, it felt like a saturday night live skit that went on for an hour and a half instead of the the 10 minutes that it should have and I did get some laughs. There's, there's some, there are some good things about it. Uh, what, what's the explosives character? I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name, but I loved him. I thought he was, I thought he was good. But overall, the movie just, it, it didn't hit me. And I love mockumentaries. And this one, maybe one thing that really bugged me about it is they had the guy that was supposed to be like directing the documentary. Uh, like well mic'd. So every time you hear him talking off screen, it was like loud and you're it, it, you could actually hear him and stuff and it wasn't like he was in the background like he should that that annoyed me there's just certain things that kind of fucking bugged me about this movie i understand why you guys like it i, I like bad movies too like i've I've, <laughs> actually, I've requested a few or recommended a, a few bad movies already so i get why you liked it this one just didn't hit the mark for me that's fair uh i think it was the cast for me that i like so much you know kobe smolders yeah, she's she great and everything since yeah. since How I Met Your Mother. Uh, Hannah Simone from New Girl. She was Karen good. Karen we talked about. Um, Bobby Moynihan is one of my favorite actors, like comedy actors. Again, from Saturday Night Live. It's just yeah. good stuff. And and it it felt like a Saturday Night Live skit, like I said. And it just maybe it just it it kind of hammered in the point a little too much. But I think that was kind of the point of the movie too. You know, they were they were really going for that over the top, and and they sure as hell did it. Yeah, um, Sab- it was a Saban Films release, who's been really good all of a sudden. Like, not I don't want to say good, but they've been doing a lot of more out there movies that they've been releasing lately. Um, like they did, and a lot of bad movies too. Like they released The Haunting of Sharon Tate, which we talked about already. But um, like I said, a lot of more like lower budget indie type movies like uh they did three from hell the newest jay and silent bob movie um they did guns akimbo vivarium they did we summon the darkness just a like a little more out there movies a little low budget you know give people a chance to to try something but they still bring up they bring some some good actors on board still uh yeah they're low budget but they 
they find the right people to get in there. Yeah, for are we, sure. Are we talking Power Rangers, Saban? Is it? That is damn right we are. <laughs> okay, because I saw that pop up and I was like, is that the same thing? Oh, that's the same thing, buddy. Okay. Like they all did right. they, yeah, I all the way back today. to the original Power Rangers show. I they learned the thing did, today. Uh, Power Rangers movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> today I learned. Yeah. Anywho, um, yeah. I mean, you know, some people like this movie, some don't. I, I thought it was just dumb and fun. So let's move on. Uh, the next movie that we're going to talk about, uh, I think I'll go, is uh, Ready or Not. This is a pretty recent horror movie. I think it came out last year. A horror comedy, which seems to be almost every horror movie for the past few years. Um, Ready or Not follows a young bride, played by Samara Weaving, as she joins her new husband's rich, eccentric family in a time-honored tradition that turns into a lethal game with everyone fighting for their survival. Um, it's got a 88% critic rating, a 78% audience rating. Um, and it was just really, I didn't know what to expect going into it. And it kept me on the edge of the edge of my seat the whole time. Um, a lot of twists, a lot of turns you don't see coming in the film. Um, it basically like it follows this, this woman who's marrying into this really ridiculously rich family who are rich from their like board game empire. So they have this tradition where whenever somebody joins the family, marries into the family on the wedding night, they all get around, they all like sit around the table, um, randomly pick one game from this pile of, you know, choices. Uh, they pick it randomly and then they play that game as like a, a tradition. Well, it turns out there's one game in the, um, you know, in, in the choices that is hide and seek, uh, well, it turns out hide and seek is the one game that becomes deadly. Like if they, if hide and seek gets chosen, the whole family has to spend the entire night trying to hunt down and kill, you know, the new person in the family. So all of a sudden she's got to try to stay alive all night. Uh, did either of you guys get a chance to watch this? Yeah. And one of the things that like one of the things about that is they, they have to kill her. It's not <laughs> a game that she's allowed to win. Any other game that you draw out of the stack, you you can win, and then you're you're accepted into the family. They might still fucking hate you, but you're actually accepted into the family. These people are pieces of shit. Um, there's there's only a couple of good ones out of the pack, and this this one card, the hide and seek card, is the one that you you're not allowed to win, and they have to kill you. And yeah, lots of twists, lots of turns. Uh, it was. A lot funnier than I expected it to be. There's some some really uh, great kills that it almost reminds me of. Some some of the kills are kind of like out of um, Zombie Land. They're just fucking ridiculous, over the top. Yeah, and it 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 made me laugh quite a bit. I I did enjoy this one. Um, what's her name? The the lead in it again. Samara Weaving. Yeah, she was in Guns Akimbo. She was she was great in this film. Um, what's that other guy? Adam Brody. Yeah, Adam Brody was one that I w- I didn't even know he was in this until we started watching it, and it's always a pleasure to see him pop up again. Adam Brody of uh, OC fame. Yeah, I love him. Uh, I never watched the OC, and I always thought he was that cheesy actor up until I saw him and everything he's done after the OC. And I fucking love the guy; he's just great. And he was he was great to see this in in this film. Yeah, um, yeah, definite recommend for me. It's just a. Uh, like I said, it's a twist. Uh, it's, there's a lot of turns. You're not going to see where it's going. Uh, 
mile a minute. It's funny. Uh, it's gruesome. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm not going to give it away, but I mean, the ending is just phenomenal. It wraps yeah. it up so greatly in such a ridiculous way. It's so fucking good. Yeah. I, again, yeah, same thing. I don't want to give any spoilers or anything, but the end blew me away. Me too. I was not expecting any of that. Like, what a way to wrap up a movie. Yeah, so like I said, we talked about Samara Weaving a few weeks ago. Um, she kills it in this too. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, check this one out. Let's uh, let's move on. Keith. All right, I got a couple of Netflix documentaries that I wanted to recommend. You know, Netflix is absolutely killing the documentary game. It feels like every time they come out with a new one, it is, it's another hit. Um, you know, I, this isn't my recommend, but Tiger King was one of the biggest shows around. Uh, they, they're just dumping some great money into some really great docs. And my first one that I'm going to, to suggest is Hip Hop Evolution. This one, I'm, I'm a major hip hop fan. And this one was just a lot of fun to watch. There's four seasons. Each season has four episodes to it. It starts off with the birth of hip hop and it gets deeper into modern hip hop as it goes through the stages of the show. And this guy goes around, he talks to fucking everybody in the hip hop game. And it, people you know, people you don't know, the the lesser known producers that were making all the beats that you heard through all your 90s hip hop that you never knew this guy's name. Like they're talking to him and and going through the stories of of Puff and and Biggie and and why he turned into P Diddy, the the hardships of some of the deaths of these guys, Tupac and stuff like that. They they're going through literally everything that happened in hip hop, the cultural impacts that it had on the United States, on the world, the uh, fashion impacts, the uh, talking about like Run DMC changing the game when they they made the song My Adidas and it took fashion to a whole new level where you know Adidas and and Nike and all of them were were really big into sports and that's all they catered to were were sports and Run DMC came along and they made this song My Adidas because they wore those white Adidas with the black stripes and they blew Adidas out they got an Adidas deal they were they were selling shoes for them they they changed culture you know and that's a lot of what this show is all about of where this music we love came from where it's going um and and the feeling behind it and what the the people in the game are are doing and it was it's a great show i can't recommend it enough i love it yeah the fourth season just dropped earlier this year right yeah yeah and, um i think the first one was it came out in 2016 then season two was 18 19 20 is when the fourth season just came out so yeah they're they're very current with what's going on in hip hop today. Yeah, I, ha I haven't caught up on it completely, but um, it looks like it goes all the way through like 2000s, like the early to mid 2000s. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I've heard this called the definitive, like, you know, documentary history of, of hip hop. Yeah. And it is, it's a, it's a historical take on it too. You know, they're, they're not just talking about the music. They're talking about, what the people did, the impacts they had on on the country and the world, and I, I just loved watching that. You know, you had your fiance Laura on talking about uh, Made in America, Rammstein, mm -hmm. and some of how great that documentary was because it brought in a lot of their history uh, in Germany, a lot of the impacts they had culturally and stuff. 
this this takes that um and it's it's a much longer series that delves deeper into stuff like that as well so even if you're not like a super hip hop fan there's a lot of great information in this entire series yeah it is it is an overarching history even if, like i said even if you're not a hip hop fan you can't deny the impact it's had on culture as a whole right uh yeah i i've like i said i haven't watched all of it yet but i'm i'm working my way through it and it is really good great documentary great funding uh great people the the interviews the questions that get thrown out um it, it's just it's well worth the watch definitely uh well let's move on david i think that's you again second recommendation uh this one is uh, a, i would i would go ahead and say it's a little bit of a bad movie uh but i I think it's one of my favorite movies. It's uh, Vampire's Kiss, one of Nicolas Cage's uh, early movies. This is going to be uh, uh, rated 61% by the critic, uh, 53% by the audience. Um, so a little bit better than my first recommendation. Um, it's about Peter Lowe, a sleazy New York City literary agent. Prowls the bars in the evening looking for some action. One night he hooks up with Jennifer Beals. And in the course of their relations, she bites him on the neck. When he wakes up the next morning, Peter doesn't feel quite right. He's irritable and has a hard time dealing with life at the literary agency, where his secretary takes the brunt of his ire. Suddenly, it dawns on Peter that he was bitten by a vampire. So he goes out and buys a set of real fangs. Then the chaos begins. It's basically, so it's about this guy who like, develops renfield syndrome basically it's not like any sort of accurate about that psychosis but um this guy just sort of like imagines this uh this vampire visits him and he slowly goes insane and just berates the ever-loving shit out of this poor administrative assistant and uh it's a very great example of Nicolas Cage doing what Nicolas Cage does best, and that is full-on insanity. Yeah, this I haven't seen this movie in years, and I wanted to try to revisit it before we recorded, but I just ran out of time. But the thing that sticks out to me is that scene uh, with the administrative assistant. Like He went full throttle for that. He, he just goes nuts in it, and he's so great. He When he's not like trying to be crazy, he's like overacting and playing this pompous New York city literary agent. And he's like, he has this whole weird, like throaty accent that he tries to maintain, but it's really hard for him. You could tell. So he like falls out of it a few times. Right. Right. <laughs> and then well, he when he goes crazy, first just, movies, right. I, it's very early. I don't know. Like, uh, 88. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's so, fantastic. I I love Nick Cage, and this is this is why I love Nick Cage. This movie is so fantastic for that. This is <laughs> iconic, Nick Cage, and uh, yeah, we get maybe two, maybe three of like the iconic Nick Cage meme scenes out of this. Like the the one where he's making that face. I I, I mean, obviously you can't see me, but everybody knows that just fucking ridiculous face that Nick Cage is making in that meme. That's from this movie, and it is like you said, it's over the top. He he overacts. He he just he's so iconic, Nick Cage in this film, and and I I love it. It is a bad movie, but I this is one that I absolutely love. Yeah, I get that. Um, and I forgot to mention this is this is right now streaming on Hoopla. Um, 
Oopla. That's going to be uh, through, through your local library. If you've got a library card, you get three free uh, rentals a month completely. That was 10. Yeah, I get it's 10. It's three. Yeah, I, well, maybe you're better than me because it just, maybe it's three days. Yeah, I think, I think I I'm better than you too because I'm pretty sure it's 10. Maybe I'm mixing up numbers in my head <laughs> because of maybe. all that tobacco. Oh, man, that tobacco. Uh, Wacky tobacco. <laughs> Either way, get a library card. Shit's free. Yeah, yep. there's get so a library card. Get a get goddamn free library card. card. Like, who cares how many things you get? It's free. And then you can, you know what else they have at libraries, you guys? Books. Shit. <laughs> Is that like an ebook? They've got comic like books and video games. They, dude, go. I Okay. A few months ago, I stopped in at a library and just like talked to the librarian and got him all excited about all this the shit that they offer. And he he was going on for like half an hour. He's like, "We got this, and we got this, and we got this, and we got this. We got resources on this and this and this." Go talk to a librarian; they're more than excited to tell you about all the shit that they offer. Or just get hoopla, and you don't have to talk to a librarian, and you just get ten free things a month. Well, they have like he's not wrong though, like. Like we went in there and they were to sign up for our cards a couple of years ago and she went on and on. She's like, Oh, you can get, you can check out a, like a guitar and learn the guitar if you want. And like free tickets to the museums around town and the zoo and, and shit like that. It's like, I had no idea you could do that all through the library. Yeah. Libraries are dope. They're they're struggling to stay relevant. So they have a shit ton to offer. Like, like David was saying video games and stuff too. You can, you can take a whole lot of stuff out of libraries. So go get a library card, visit your library. I have been trolling Hoopla. Yeah, and Hoopla. Yeah, David, uh, anything been, else you want to tell us about I've Vampire's Kiss? I've been trolling Kiss? Hoopla a lot, just looking for the best stuff on there. Nice. Watch well, it, let's bro. let's move on. Uh, I also chose a Netflix documentary series for one of my picks this week, and that is Ugly Delicious. Uh, Ugly Delicious is injects new life into the food documentary by dispensing with culinary pretensions and celebrating a vibrant spectrum of dishes that are sure to whet audience appetites. It is starring uh, David Chang, the head chef at uh, the Momofuku chain of restaurants. Um, he owns them all. They're his restaurants with very, um, very East Asian inspired fusion restaurants. Um, and I just love him. I love everything he's done. He's got a couple of podcasts. Um, he does this show. He's got another show on Netflix, but this one in particular really caught my attention because it feels like the spiritual successor to, um, Anthony parts Bourdain. unknown. Yeah. Parts unknown with Anthony Bourdain. Um, and what was the other one he did? Uh, the other one, he, no reservations. No reservations. Um, yeah. yeah it, 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 it's very no, much in that no vein where it's yeah. kind of irreverent. Um, Dave Chang is very opinionated in his 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 opinions about food and and tradition and everything like that. He's very much against you know the the idea of traditional food not being messed with. Um, he's very much an experimenter, but he, he's he's fairly young. Like he feels you know he's around our age, a bit older. But um, it's so it makes the show really relatable. Uh, the first season covers a bunch of different types of food. So he kind of does deep dives into different types of cooking. Like the first episode focuses, you know, specifically on pizza. There's an episode about tacos, about barbecue, fried chicken, you know, a bunch of different stuff. And they're all ridiculously fascinating, really entertaining. Like the pizza episode in particular, he goes from, you know, very traditional, you know, like New York pizza 
go, you know, a few of them go and travel to Italy and, and, you know, check out the absolute home of traditional pizza. Um, he focuses a lot on, um, you know, the people breaking the rules like sushi pizza and places doing these weird off the wall stuff in, in Japan and, and, you know, around the country. Absolutely fascinating, but really entertaining too. Did, uh, have you guys watched any of this? Yeah, I have. Uh, and, um, you know, my, my profession is cooking and I, I love shows like this because I learned so much from them. When you think, you know, we're from New Mexico. You think, you know, everything about tacos, you know, jack shit about tacos and the show taught me that you know that episode was great the pizza episode was great and like you said they kind of break the rules as well as just follow the rules they're sitting in this new york pizzeria and they ordered dominoes to try and compare the two you know to piss and, off the, the, the guy who <laughs> owns the brooklyn restaurant oh and they did he's like you ever ordered dominoes in my fucking pizzeria again i'll knock you to the ground but like then, then they do have the guys in Italy, and they're talking to their like the traditional Italian chefs, and he's saying stuff like, you know, as long as pizza exists, if there p- exists a pizza in front of you, then it's good. All pizza is going to be good pizza. There's so many different opinions in this show. Uh, one thing uh, that I love about the host, what he does is he is super opinionated and he's super into his, his Eastern Asian style. He does a lot of Chinese cooking and fusion and stuff like that. So everything, it, it seems like everything he puts in his mouth in this show, he has, he can correlate it to like an Asian dish of some sort. And it, he, he's really trying to like connect the dots between cuisines. And I really love that. The, the taco. Yeah, episode was the, great. The, yeah, the the global nature, the how these culinary styles and traditions and stuff have migrated around around the world. Yeah, because like you said, he he's Korean, so a lot of his foods, you know, Korean American. So a lot of his stuff focuses on traditional Korean dishes, and then doing something with that to make it modern, to make it more of a fusion, to you know, make it more. I don't want to say accessible, but that is part of it because he is trying to run a successful business, right? But um. And just doing it in this really irreverent way, like, you know, completely disregarding tradition and, and doing it his own way. Well, and he's got his different celebrity friends that joins him on these quests and stuff. You know, Aziz Ansari was there for the pizza and like he, he's got a, a bunch of different people that that make it also entertaining. Um, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch. And I did learn a lot, you know, the, the Lebanese ties to Tacos Al Pastor, which are like my favorite tacos of all time. I had no idea that it was it was a Lebanese tie that brought that to Mexico. Yeah, that that like this fairly short period of Lebanese migration to Mexico has influenced tacos for however many decades or you know even hundreds of years. Yeah, and the different shells and with the pizza, the different crusts and stuff that they were using. The home cooking episode was way cool. There's this was this was a really fun show, and I'm glad that you brought up the Anthony Bourdain thing because I did get those vibes from it a lot. You know, they're they're foul mouth. They're uh, they're just having a good time. They're they're getting drunk sometimes. It's it's a fun show. I really liked that it was like a a deep dive. I I only got the chance to watch the first episode, the pizza episode so far, but it was like this dissection of the concept of pizza. It was like the whole time you know like you said he was questioning tradition he was questioning what what it means to be quote-unquote authentic and i you know it got me hungry to watch more 
Yeah, and it it does that. Like I that pizza episode is the hook. Like that one hooked me immediately. Like I I wound up breezing through the rest of the series, you know, really quickly after that. But, yeah, they're following uh, up even, with tacos. It's like the two foods that yeah. you crave the most all the fucking time. I started the tacos episode, and it's just like, man, I'm, I got to get back to it. It's <laughs> God, I need tacos. And I think the on it, like just to even to focus on the pizza episode, the I think one of the best parts of it was watching this, like learning about the like pizza cartel in in Naples, right? Like this group that has just taken it upon themselves to say if you don't make this pizza in this exact way then you're not making real pizza and you know you can go fuck yourself they're like the homeowner's then, association of pizza yeah, exactly <laughs> that's exactly what that guy is he is yeah. the homeowner's association of pizza <laughs> you know and and it was really fascinating yeah this but, is a big thing um, for me too i i highly recommend watching this show i mean it got me interested to drink clam pizza right? yeah that right. I, I will not eat that. No, I'm, I'll pass. <laughs> but um, the second season came out. It's only four episodes long, and that's because I think he had a kid while they were making it. Um, but even then, the second season focuses a lot actually on his, like how he relates food to his you know, newfound fatherhood. Um, so also worth watching. You know, there's 12 total episodes across two seasons. Um he did another show. I can't remember the name of it now, but he did another show where he and one of his celebrity friends for each episode go to some random place around the world, usually picked by that, that celebrity he's going with. Um, they go explore all the food options, you know, and then have some really good conversation. I think one episode was Seth Rogen in Vancouver. Another one, Kate McKinnon, they go to Thailand. Um, and then the other one I'm thinking of off the top of my head was Chrissy Teigen and they go to Morocco. Uh, so if you like Dave Chang, that's another show to check out. Yeah, that's cool. Sounds good. Uh, anyway, that's all I got for that one. So why don't we move on to Keith? All right. I got another documentary. This is the documentary episode, I guess. Um, and this one I, I saved for last because the show just blew me away. If you grew up or lived through the 90s, then you are all too familiar with the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. And you must watch The Last Dance on Netflix. Man, what a show. Um, this this goes through 10 episodes going through the story of of Michael Jordan um and and the the bulls that that he played with. So it's not specifically about him all the time. There there's an episode about Pippin, there's an episode about Rodman, there's an episode about how he got his Nike deal. There's there's a bunch of different stuff thrown in there. Uh, it's all encompassing the Chicago Bulls. It's called The Last Dance because every episode has a little bit of the taste of their ninety-eight, their ninety-seven, ninety-eight season uh, when they're um, struggling to to compete for their their second three-peat in Chicago. And me and my wife were sucked into the show from the very beginning. You know, uh, I, I'm not a huge NBA fan anymore, but growing up in the '90s, how could you not be? There was the Chicago Bulls. There was the Utah Jazz. You had John Stockton and and um, Carl Malone battling it out against the Bulls. Like there was such good basketball happening. And on top of that, it was Michael Jordan elevating the competition uh, to compete with him. And that's what this show is all about. And it was fucking great. Yeah, you could not be 
a kid in elementary or middle school in the nineties and not be, you know, a bulls fan. I was right. for sure. Of course. Like it, you was, know, it was all anybody talked about it. If sports came up. It was Michael Jordan and the bulls. Yep. And uh, yeah, this one I haven't had a chance to get to. This is uh, the next, this is probably next on my list of, of where I'm going, you know, in my free time is to watch this. But um, you know, I've always been really interested in this and man, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I highly, highly recommend it. It gives great insight into what each of these people was, was thinking. You get to talk to Steve Kerr, which is a, a lesser known bull. You get to talk to a lot of these other bulls that were talking about what, Michael was really like in practice, uh, outside of practice, um, during his break when he was playing baseball and, and, and doing space jam and stuff like that. Um, like I said, his Nike deal that he made, uh, I, I talked about how run DMC changed the game, bringing Adidas on. Well, Michael changed the game, uh, when he got his own shoe line. That was not something that was happening. You know, Larry bird and, and all those guys, uh, they they were in commercials for Converse and stuff, but they didn't have their own shoes. Michael comes right. out and Nike gives him a deal and they wanted to make like one and a half million dollars in that first year off of his shoes. And they ended up making like one hundred and twenty six million dollars or something like that. He just blew the game up. And this goes through that whole era of Michael Jordan and, and the Chicago Bulls. And I absolutely loved it, even if you weren't a huge basketball fan. There's a lot of cultural references. Um, I mean, before Michael Jordan, the NBA was in like 88 countries and now it's in like 216 countries. Uh, all of them. Yeah. He, he blew it up. He made the sport what it is. This is a time before Twitter before, uh, you know, we got LeBron and stuff. Who's a fucking superstar these days, but he's got social media and everything. Michael Jordan was that big before it was possible to be that big. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I'll, I'm going to check this out this week. Yeah. This has a 96 uh, critic review and 95 audience review. Everybody's loved this film. It came out this year in 2020. So definitely go watch it. It is well worth the watch. And I, I just, I loved getting a view into some of the lesser known stuff about this era. You know, I was just a kid. So I didn't get the ins and outs of it. And this really dished it out to me in a really great way. Yeah. I love those kind of time capsule history documentaries. So yeah, absolutely. Check this one out. Uh, anything you want to add about that one? Nah, I mean, I think I said all that could be said. It's, it's just one that I think everybody has to watch, especially if you live through that time. Awesome. Well, let's move on. Uh, I think that's all for our picks this week. Uh, we've got one warning for you this week. David is going to give us that one. I recently revisited uh, a movie from my childhood. Tried to uh, chase some of that sweet nostalgia. I uh, I watched The Witches. Um, it is the story of a little boy and his kindly grandmother who thwart the efforts of a coven of witches to rid Britain of children by turning them into mice. Um, you know, I remember I had vague memories of this of this movie uh, before I went and watched it. It's it, Angelica Houston. Um, Rowan Atkinson's in it, and I think he's the best part of it. It it's it's a uh, Jim Henson did all the prosthetics and and uh, effects for it too, so it it's kind of got this charm to it still, but it just felt very stale. Um, I think I think it needs to be relegated to the nostalgia bin 
I, I, I feel like going back and, and revisiting it kind of ruined some of that for me a little bit. Did you guys get the chance to watch this one? No, I avoided it on your recommendation. <laughs> um, I, I remember watching it as a kid, but I don't remember anything about it. This movie scared the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I was probably terrified as well. You know, the reviews are, are really good on Rotten Tomatoes. It's 97% uh, uh, critic score, uh, 70% audience score. Um, but like I said, it just didn't, it, there was, it felt like something was lost when I went back and revisited. Yeah, that's fair. Um, this seems like the kind that would be very much a product of its time. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. I, I mean, I, I told people not to watch Weird Science, so I, I definitely get where you're coming from. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, man, like I just have this like memory burned into my head of the like the prosthetic face that yeah. one of the witches wore. I think it was Angelica Houston, right? She was the, she was the she had the most dramatic. She was the head witch, so right? She had so the she most had that, dramatic, like, yeah. The, the big nose and the like foot chin long nose, and the yeah, mold, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, this just burned into my head from when I was like five years old, getting terrified. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it seems like, like I said, it seems like the kind of movie that wouldn't age all that well. Maybe use it to scare your kids, but, uh, <laughs> other than that strong avoid. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, so check us out on discord, uh, link in the show notes, come talk to us, tell us why we're wrong. Anything you want us to recommend um, or have a discussion about, check us out on Facebook. Give us a like. You can uh, follow us and see when we drop all our new shows. Uh, check out our website, Three Guys One Up. That's number three, number one. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah. If you're if you're on the website now, we also added an entire list of our past episodes. So if you missed an episode or if you just forgot what we did recommend and you weren't able to get around to it. We got a whole list up on there now, so you can go over and see what we do recommend and what we don't recommend. So definitely check that out. Perfect. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, we will catch you guys next Friday. We love you. Adios. Adios.